This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. Having been through the Second Story writing process twice myself, I know how personal it can be to turn your life into a performance. When I reached out to this week's teller, Rukmini Gurish, she spoke about how writing this story helped push her life down its current path faster than expected. To hear that this work made a welcome change in the teller's life makes me even more excited to share it with you than usual. Recorded live in Chicago on June 21st, 2022, Second Story is proud to present Peak Queer Femme Culture. Early in 2019, a couple of colleagues and I stopped for a drink after work. SG, who uses he, him, and they, them pronouns, had just started dating a guy with piercing blue eyes, and we were talking about their dates and his desire for a relationship. I grew quiet, as I always do when relationships come up. I've never been in one myself. You know, shit gets complicated when you start naming things, said I be who uses she, her pronouns, and then started talking about a queer character's progression on some show I'd never heard of. But I don't know if that applies to your situation. SG laughed. Yeah, I don't know, that's like peak queer femme culture. <laughs> I laughed too, not really understanding. This is a familiar feeling. When people talk about Naked Night, Bratz Dolls, those books that were in everyone's fourth grade classrooms, I nod knowing that I watched Cricket, named my stuffed mouse Cookby, and read Enid Blyton. I'm not normally mad about it. It comes with spending the first 14 years of my life in India. But suddenly I wanted to know the context to this laughter, wanted to say, help me. I'm queer, and I don't particularly like dancing or drinking, and I'm too nervous to talk to my Tinder matches. <laughs> but I didn't. I was ashamed not to know what they were talking about, and then it felt like the moment had passed. You see, most of my identities are easily knowable. When you look at me, you see that I'm brown or South Asian or Indian. As soon as I open my mouth, people start asking if I'm from England. Uh, I'm not, but at least you know I'm not from here. But the queerness, uh, the queerness has always been tricky. A few months earlier, when my parents and I sat down, as we always do, to talk about the year that's passed and the one that's coming, we started to talk about goals. I'd like to have a relationship in 2019, I said. Now that I'm done with school and I have more time, I think I'll have the energy to devote to that a little bit. My parents looked at each other. That's good, my mom said, because we've been talking about the same thing. You're young, you're 25, you have plenty of time, but you should start thinking about that now. I know your mother's told you this before, my dad said, but if you need some help, we're here. We're happy to put the word out if you want. Not in the full arranged marriage kind of way. You know even we didn't do that. But people like K and N have networks. We'd be happy to introduce you to people we know. My mother nodded along. I didn't know what to say. It had been six years since I came out to my parents. 
My junior year of college, I fell in love with a close friend, one of the first people in this country who saw my 14 years in India not as a piece of trivia or a tropical vacation, but a part of who I am. My mother had a lot of questions. One of the first, and one she continues to ask, is how does that happen? What? I said at first, not understanding. How does that happen? She repeated. How do two people of the same gender fall in love with each other? Of all the questions I had prepared for, I was not expecting that. People have written for centuries about love, and we certainly haven't solved it. How does anyone fall in love? I don't know, you just do, I ended up saying. How did you fall in love with Dad or anyone else? You know, you think of them a lot, you just know. Yeah, so I just knew. When I told my father a few days later, he retreated to his basement office for half an hour while I wandered around the house aimlessly, then called me downstairs and handed me a letter. I wanted to take some time to make sure I said the right thing, he said, and you know it's sometimes easier for me to write it down. The letter, in essence, said he was glad I was experiencing these feelings, that they're an important part of everyone's life, and that I should talk to my mother about them. <laughs> Though my mother must have told him about how my friend was coming out of a long-ish long, long relationship, how we decided nothing should happen, and then made some stupid choices that changed our friendship. He hadn't said a word about any of that, or relationships in general, for six years. Until New Year's Eve 2018, when he offered to put the word out. I was still struggling for what to say. I settled for thank you, but I came so, so close to saying, oh, so you'll introduce me to all the queer Indians you know. <laughs> when my mother and I went to visit family in India in the fall of 2019, I was almost 26, exactly the age when the progressive South Indian woman should be thinking about getting married. My father's sister, so, do you have a boyfriend? My mother's cousin. Sriku's wedding was a lot of fun. Your cousins have been asking when yours will be. Half my mother's family to my mother when I wasn't around. Bakarala. Here is how we answered. To my father's sister. No, I don't have a boyfriend. Not said, don't want one. To my mother's cousin, a laugh and a quick escape. Not said, I doubt you'll want to come to any wedding I have. My mother to her family, she can find her own partner, there's no rush. A few years ago, I'd have been delighted to escape so easily. I'm not out to most of my family in India because I know my queerness won't be real to them until I have a relationship to wave in their faces, and I don't want to face their shock and gossip and disappointment until there is no room for questions like, are you sure, and how do you know? But the longer I stay silent, the more the pressure seems to build to not be single. For most of 2019, every time I matched with someone on Tinder, a small part of me asked, will you be the one? Will you be the one who provokes uncomfortable conversations? Will you be the one who might make me lose some family relationships I cherish? But when I put it that way, no one will be the one. 
That fall in India, something changed. For the first time, I found myself wanting to come out to my family and ignore the consequences. It will provoke uncomfortable conversations. It might make me lose some relationships. But there's some part of me that has faith. Because my family and I know the sound of Anadiswaram, the rustle of a silk sari from Nalli, the honking traffic jams that reliably develop near Tidal Park, the freshness of Mallipu hanging in front of a Swami party. What they don't know is that the first time I fell in love complicated a very good friendship and didn't lead to a relationship. And the second time I fell in love, I couldn't tell the woman. And the third time, well, let's not even talk about that right now. I teetered on the edge of telling them, but then I thought of answering my mother's questions and my father walking out of the room at the sight of two men kissing in a movie about Harvey Milk, and that act of naming felt dangerous. So I didn't tell my family. And for the first time, I looked forward to coming back to Chicago. And as much as I love this city, that made me sad. During a snowstorm in January 2020, four close friends and I wound up at A's garden apartment for dinner. A made latkes, I brought rainbow cake, and we talked about SS's recent bout of walking pneumonia and what happens when you eat edibles too fast. <laughs> Bad things, I learned. <laughs> Eventually, we wound up in A's den playing Cards Against Humanity. My first black card said, blank will get you laid. Someone had put down the penny whistle solo from Titanic, but I picked synergistic management solutions as the winner. A little close to home right now, but okay, I said. We'd had a long conversation about work stress earlier. Alexa started playing Oscar-winning movie soundtracks, the game continued, and the conversation moved on to early celebrity crushes. Even though I've been out to those friends for years, even though they know I've never been in a relationship, I felt a familiar panic in the pit of my stomach as everyone named their crushes, none of whom I'd heard of, and M said he'd never really had one. Then SS turned to me. What about you, Rukmini, celebrity crush? Uh, kind of recent, a few years ago, I mumbled, my eyes on my knees, but Laura Prepon? In what? SB asked. Orange is the New Black, Alex Voss. Oh yeah, she's hot. <laughs> Have you seen her as Donna in that 70s show? I'm watching it now, but it's so dated that I don't know if I'm gonna keep going. But she looks great as a blonde too. <laughs> and then we started talking about Orange is the New Black. Nothing exploded, it was that simple. Look, I didn't have a relationship in 2019, but my parents and I had some frank conversations about my queerness and what it means. I started working on this story for a Queer Joy-themed show, which would have felt too dangerous even a few years ago. And I've actually talked to a few of my Tinder matches. <laughs> At our end of year talk in 2019, my mom introduced a new prompt what word we wanted to use as our guide in 2020. I chose joy. Not relationships, not partners, but joy. And in spite of everything that happened in 2020, a large part of finding that joy 
in the year to end all years was making my queerness less complicated. Coming out to my family will happen when it happens and relationships will happen when they happen and the timeline doesn't have to bother me. But I don't necessarily have to wait forever. I am single, so if any of y'all wanna help me out with that, <laughs> I will be at that table until we're done. <laughs> This story was produced by Casey Truba, curated by Imi Tin, and directed by Matt Ferries. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, The Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is, is the Second, Second Story Podcast.